Hello, this is Nathan Ray, and this is Rashni Hewawasan. I correct yes. me Okay, that's the proper pronunciation. Good. Yes. <laughs> okay, this is something that's totally new for me because normally we talk about how we know each other and the history behind us. But the thing is, this is the first time that we're talking face to face. We've chatted before in text form through this podcast matching service called Podmatch. Yeah. But aside from whatever we said in those little text chats, we don't really know anything about each other, right? Yeah, we don't. I hope you've listened to a few episodes of my podcast. And so from listening to those episodes of the podcast, what is your overall impression of me so far? I would say that you're doing good for yourself for like a start. Like I am way older than you. So I would say that like I'm also trying to find my direction in life. So if you have actually listened to my podcast, I actually talk about me. Actually, I talk about my life. I I don't know if you have listened to it. I kind of wanted to go in completely blind to the situation. Okay. So anyways... Like I am a Sri Lankan and I was uh, raised in a very strict culture. And during those couple of years, like I got the chance to get a scholarship to study medicine in Romania. So I went there and then I decided to switch courses and because I wanted freedom in my life. So I wanted freedom and I kind of had also a dream to actually reside in France. Yeah, so that's why I'm here. So like I had a dream, I only went to Romania just because I got a scholarship and I wanted, and I felt kind of proud of it because medicine is not a very easy course. And so I decided to switch because when you do medicine, you don't have freedom of speech. You are kind of trapped in your own little world. They are full of stress and anxiety. And it's a completely long road to get to success, I would say, and be financially independent. So that's why I switched. And now I'm actually opening a business. I'm a life coach. And this business is kind of like something the world needs because the pandemic has proven that the education system is failing us. And I wanted to do something different, like restructure the current education system as well. Okay. What is your most recent education qualification? Because you mentioned you were studying medicine. What did you switch over to? Business administration. Okay. Um, I have a whole lot more questions about that, but if I might quickly divert, because normally I have a structure and now I'm kind of thinking, oh, maybe I should abandon that structure to. Yeah, because it's kind of like normal to get engaged with like a normal conversation. That's what I do in my podcast because everybody goes out of the normal structure. So I kind of write everything. If it doesn't go into plan, it goes under my structure or it just goes like normal conversation. Okay. So I guess I'll just work with it. I'll postpone my next transition for a while. In the meantime, I do kind of want to know from your perspective, you're saying that if you were to work in medicine, you wouldn't be able to pursue a career that is financially sustainable. I know people who've gone through medicine school They're not really earning a whole lot of money right now. They're having to pay a whole lot of money in order to get their residencies and their doctorates out of the way. And so I think that can be fairly understandable, or at least it's something that I can understand. From my perspective, though, I find it surprising to hear that if you're working in medicine, you're not necessarily having the kind of freedom that you would want as an individual. And I kind of wanted to hear more about that. Yeah. Because the thing is that we don't have freedom of speech. Every time we try to speak out and we kind of tell our knowledge to everybody, especially on the world in a situation like the pandemic, let's say, where there are benefits from the vaccine and there are some people who will die from the vaccine. So if we try to give that information up as a medical profession, any person in the medical profession, that has been labeled as misinformation or that kind of goes out as like interfering with the political rules, especially in a situation like this. So what we see in this pandemic is that what I was thinking before. 
So if I were to pursue a medical profession, I would be stuck in my home life and my career life, you know. This is something I did because I come from a culture that's like kind of like obeying the older rules. So there were like arranged marriages. There were like, you had to study really well. And plus the only professions that are successful professions out there in the culture are like engineering, doctors, and those are the careers that exist in our culture, basically. And, or lawyer. It's like everyone in the family can like talk about you, brag about you. And yeah, that's the sort of environment I was raised in. This is why I'm kind of like the black sheep, because I tend to do things differently. And I kind of had had this mentality saying, I want to be free because I did not have that freedom when I was younger. I did not go out on occasion, weren't allowed to have like relationships and kind of like it's a very strict lifestyle. And then it took many years for me to come to that decision. But it's like enough was enough at one point. And I was like, this is the way for me. This is the solution for me. If you know what that means. Yeah. I understand that completely. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose the question that I want to ask in response to that. So obviously being a doctor or an engineer is a highly valued profession over in a place like Sri Lanka. I think you could say the same thing for anyone who's living in Canadian society. But at the same time, it's also probably not the end of the world if someone wants yeah. to become a truck driver or yeah. a construction worker. Is that a similar attitude that's present in Sri Lanka? Or no. is the idea that if you become a laborer of some kind? Yeah, so it's like shame on the family, especially when you come from a kind of good family and your family has been pushing you through education. So I was in an international school, actually. And I was like, throughout my education career, it has been in the world's most top schools. So I, from that, you can see like, this is just like not a normal family. So if you decide to be a truck driver or anything, you are definitely going to be frowned upon the entire public, probably the entire country. If anyone gets to know, that's the kind of idea we have, even though it's not fair, that is the way it is. Okay. So in your case, when you're transitioning from a medical degree to a business degree, is there still that sense of shame that's preserved because you were supposed to be going down one path and yeah. then you chose another path? Even if both paths are sort of viable in their own way because they right. can still lead to avenues of success. Yes, definitely. Especially the relations are like, oh my God, you got the scholarship oh my god you wasted it but like it's like you're only thinking the spec of eight years uh, they're only thinking within the spec of eight years what about after that who's going to fund the education after that and a lot of questions just arise from that because we have residency we have specialization and you can't really actually work out there without having all those kind of qualifications you can't actually get a job get into a job or um, I would suggest like in many different countries, yeah, just this was the situation before the pandemic, doctors are not likely to be employed because there are too many doctors in the sector, especially in countries like UK. It's like my uncle, he was a doctor. And the thing is that he was unemployed for 10 years. So that was his situation. And now we have the pandemic, which I don't know how much this serves, but a lot of my friends that graduated who studied with me at the time and like graduated now are still having problems being employed even though there's more demand for doctors yeah. yes so there's a situation definitely a situation is it because the government can't afford to allocate more money into their healthcare industry or is there just yes i think that you know more doctors are needed especially during this time but they have only just finished the eight year span of medicine so i would say they still need residencies so they might be looked down upon because they are still you know in the first stages of the whole medical career they just finished the graduate studies and now there's more to go, residency, specialization and stuff like this. And still they won't employ them. So they're stuck, I would say, at this time, unless they actually do a side business. 
So earlier on, you were talking about how you didn't feel like there was freedom of speech within the medical profession. I presume you made that decision long before the pandemic happened. Yeah, long before. It was like actually in 2018. Okay. So about a year or two before the pandemic was on the horizon. Then if I might ask if, if the pandemic wasn't happening yet and if your medical advice wasn't being actively disregarded in yes. the sense that you were saying, well, hey, there are these vaccines, there are pros and cons to receiving yes. them. You might want to think a little bit more before choosing to get one. And what other ways were your freedoms of speech being suppressed? Like, especially during time like this, I would be graduating this year if I was doing like medicine. So I would be graduating this year and I would probably be going on YouTube to actually give this information. And a lot of doctors have actually done that. And they're kind of like banned from YouTube because of this. And it's kind of like you can't be employed or you have like this kind of strain on your whole career just because you told bad on the vaccine. So that's what I feel like. Because I asked even my friends about this question, who are are still in the medical career. And I asked them that if you would speak against the vaccine, because you know what's going on right now, because there are deaths from the vaccine. And if you were to explain that, they backed out. So it's like a strain on their career and their future once they actually try, actually help the public decide by giving the information out. And yeah, so they backed down for that because it, this was kind of my idea to kind of like give it out, give the information out anyways, because now I have the freedom of speech. While also having the necessary experience so that yeah. people don't call you a crazy conspiracy theorist who's just working off of papers you don't really understand off the internet. Yeah. I guess then the question that I would want to ask is, Aren't there still true believers within the system? Aren't there still people who are in the medical professional field who genuinely believe that vaccinations are good? Like this is a recently made an experimental vaccine that is recently made public and it's been mandated that everybody should be getting the vaccines in order to immune themselves for a disease. But even though you get this vaccine, herd immunity is unachievable through vaccine. That's what we learned. And I was questioning that because there are two sides for vaccines anyways. And also when you actually think about it, like I questioned this with a lot of doctors and a lot of doctors like found me the student who was like going way off the topic because we were supposed to learn about science and promoting kind of pharmaceutical drugs while I went and I talked about alternative medicine, what about the things that happened long time ago? We have survived without science as well. And why do we have to be dependent on pharmaceutical medications? And I would like question them, basically. And it's like, we don't have to live a life with the dependency of artificial drugs you may put into our system. So I was like questioning about that. And then they said that I was like, right. And it was good to question it. But the thing is that to not go out in the public, they were like so hesitant that I would actually go and speak about it, especially if I turned out to be a doctor. They would advise me so much on this because like when we are studying medicine, they kind of promote the pharmaceutical industry heavily. Okay, that's a scary thought. Yeah. Especially the drugs, the medications, stuff like this. Like, there's almost little to no, like, holistic approaches, you know? Yeah. I think that's a question of science versus faith. Like, I remember something that I did do in preparation for this interview was that I noticed that as part of your profile, you mentioned that you specialize in alternative medicine. And so doing a bit of research into that... I can see that it's very much looked down upon by the scientific community. Yeah, it is. And I can understand why that might be the case, because if you're going to be going with something that is provable and testable versus something that might get you the result that you want, 
but it's not guaranteed, then you're probably going to go with the drugs that have been extensively tested. But I also think there is value in experimentation as long as you're willing to understand there are risks associated with it, health risks, financial risks. Yeah, I, uh, I agree that the COVID-19 the disease is there and I feel like people need to have this responsibility to wear the mask. But mandating vaccines, I would say, isn't the proper goal here, I would say. Give them the choice, but they should also have the responsibility to protect other people so they won't spread the disease to them. Like, there's a reason why I didn't take the vaccine. So I'm kind of isolated from the city itself. So I take full responsibility just because I'm not vaccinated. I wear the mask and go to the city. Like, I take precautions because I know the disease exists because my friends told me that it exists. Yeah. Yeah. Have you gotten sick with COVID yet? No. No. Do you know anyone who has gotten sick with COVID? No. Okay, that's strange. Because I know like at least 25 people who've gotten sick with COVID. I don't know anyone who's died from COVID, but I do know people who've gotten sick from it. And it's ranged from either feeling like it's a mild flu to people feeling like they're on the verge of death. And so that's something I find very weird is that this virus is producing inconsistent results. Yeah, it's like nobody I know like so far, because in my region, like literally no one and I'm really thankful for that. But like a lot of people were telling me that some people were are trying, it's very difficult for them to breathe and stuff like this. And I've also heard that people have been getting really bad side effects, like from the vaccine itself. So you have like diseases as well, blood clots, and there's a whole list. And the FDA has also released uh, a report uh, of the side effects for each, like for three vaccines, which is the Zypher, the Moderna, and the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. And they kind of give you like all the side effects. And then there's a document that says side effects may be severe as well, may occur, but please go to this site and then report it. Tell other people what you're experiencing. And I've been hearing stuff on the internet that a lot of people in the comments are telling me that I'm reading them. And I kind of like believe some of the comments because from my knowledge, PCR tests don't quite distinguish COVID-19 from the rest of the flu vaccine. So obviously the numbers are exaggerated, right? And when you're looking at that with that kind of perspective, you're like, then why does the whole population in the entire world need to be vaccinated? That's a question I raise. If that's the situation, then why does everybody in the entire world need to be vaccinated? And I know that I've spoken to some, like, I don't know, like, I've been trying to reach out to doctors as well, who are brave enough to come and talk about it in my podcast. And a lot of people, like a lot of nurses and doctors were very like pessimistic in the beginning. Like I used to tell them, don't take the vaccine from the year 2020 when it just released, because I have learned that it takes like 10 to 15 years to produce a vaccine. And I know this vaccine comes from the cold vaccine and the MERS, and it kind of like an evolution. But still, it's not, it's still a short period of time because what I learned is like it takes 10 to 15 years and there's this whole process and you have to fill in uh, the FDS to approve it at each stage. And then there are like procedures where you have to fill in like millions of pages of the NDA application and you have a huge procedure. I did pharmaceutical drugs and how to manufacture them as well. And I kind of questioned everything. And I was like do not take it and like a few doctors online that which I was trying to get them on my podcast at the time but none of them actually came forward until I started the podcast the following year and I was like telling them that you can't actually give this vaccine to everybody around the world they will be classified as volunteers there should be volunteers out because this is an experimental drug that you're releasing out to the world Vaccine is not completely biological product. It's 80% drug and 20% biological product. There's nothing in the pharmaceutical industry that is biological as far as like I've seen. And so everything is like 80% drug. And I was like telling them and after it took like one year for a hospital in France to go on strike. 
and because of the numbers like they're recording numbers that people are dying and facing extremely harsh side effects from the vaccine itself so one year later well, like one year later after i went against the vaccine and i thought okay i'm not going to take the vaccine because i kind of like know the theory and i kind of questioning what i've learned throughout the past and one year later the doctors in france there is one hospital they went on strike recently a month ago okay and this was like one year later actually and in my area like about four to five other hospitals followed the strike the first strike happened in montelima and then the next five hospitals went on strike because of the situation and they don't have freedom of speech so that's why they're going on strike and they're telling that this is not right because the french government mandated vaccines and i was like what took you so long <laughs> yeah so it it was kind of like an issue i know it's debatable i know that vaccines are good in general because they're supposed to give you the specific antibodies to fight off the disease so i have learned that as well but again vaccines are debatable because there are two sides of the story they're only showing you one side of the story that's a good side and it's kind of strange that the prices for the zyper and moderna were actually increased by 5 euros more 5 or 4 euros more and it's like if you want to help the world then why did you make those vaccines more expensive so over in france do you actually have to pay for your vaccinations yes okay here in canada as far as i'm aware vaccinations are free so whatever cost to them is being purely funded by the government okay but just hearing what you're saying it sort of reminds me of a friend that i have she's a doctor and from my conversations with her she's been totally on board with the whole vaccination process she says that she understands the science behind it she's been fully vaccinated she's mentioned about how difficult it's been treating patients with covid she sent me a picture of all the medical equipment she uses to make sure that people who are sick with covid that they're getting what they need she's not the kind of friend i believe would ever steer me wrong but there are certain things that she said that when i look at them i sort of think to myself is that really what you actually believe because she once mentioned to me that she believed that mass vaccinations were going to lead to herd immunity and i'm hearing from you and i've heard from other medical professionals that it's it's not going to be the case because the variants are always changing it's basically nothing if you like vaccinate the entire population yeah. the variants will change and still you will be back to square one yeah and she also sent me a political cartoon where there was this exhausted doctor who was leaning against the wall right beside a pile full of body bags i think like seven different bodies all on top of each other and outside of the building that they're in there's this group of protesters fat unattractive waving signs around saying we want our human rights and the doctors just exhausted and thinking to themselves this isn't worth it and i remember she specifically said this is what it feels like at times she's not working in the same city that i'm living in she's working in a much smaller town and so I took a look at the statistics of what the covid rates have been like in that town and it turns out that four people died of covid over the last year since the, that friend of mine sent me that text eight people have died within the county and it's like okay this seems like a fairly normal death rate i understand that it's kind of sad that these people died because of covid but at the same time four deaths I'm I'm going to need a little more context as to why this disease is such a terrible burden on you as a healthcare yeah. worker because like you're showing me these photos of the equipment that you're using but I'm not actually seeing you use that equipment in action and you're showing me this political cartoon featuring all of these body bags but as far as I'm aware only 8 people have died in your region over the last year from this virus and so like it's not like you're experiencing death on mass right yeah and there are 
plus there are other diseases like tuberculosis and there are other diseases like worth examining why did they actually release a vaccine that fast that's my question and i also found out that like there were no flu cases in the past year so what happened to that so that's like the question here is like the pcr test is not very accurate i would say you can't actually covid-19 is kind of like a recent disease so it's like hard for you to actually distinguish that disease with every other disease that has like similar symptoms let's say and there was this woman in the comments of the internet but i actually believe this because when i read that she was like i am in a terrible situation where my daughter needs to have a cochlear surgery but she can't go to get a pcr test because she might be tested for covid-19 because it has like similar symptoms and she can't even go to the hospital because she'll be treated last like yeah once again that sucks yeah so how exactly has france responded to this whole pandemic over the last year and a half for you from your perspective yeah so i think that most of the political leaders aren't seeing the entire picture they think one side is a lie which isn't the case like that's why i kind of like did this podcast and i was like talking about it and it's like the thing is that okay in your perspective you're trying to mandate vaccine so that the people will actually take responsibility without spreading the disease but at the same time that's also wrong so it's like everybody has to social distance that has to be like that has to be a law and the mask should be mandated that has to be a law but not the vaccines okay why should people social distance why should they wear masks if so far like i don't know about you but like for myself whenever i was going to say the supermarket in the early days of the pandemic back when masks were not being mandated people couldn't social distance like even though those were the rules people couldn't social distance it's not necessarily within our instinctual behavior and for masks looking at the statistics whenever there's been mask mandates from what i can see it has done absolutely nothing to curb the yeah. spread so yes. can you explain why those should be mandated if they are in some ways ineffective okay so the you're looking at numbers right yes. so these numbers don't tell us the full story let's say so when a disease has to come and infect you there are specific openings in your body and that those are the eyes the nose the mouth and the ears okay you shouldn't be touching those uh, in the first place those are the opening so imagine if a germ just comes a very infectious germ that reaches your hand and you touch your eye nose mouth ears you can possibly be getting a disease from it so that's why and if you will see that i also read that masks are not very efficient but it just closes some of your openings i'm wearing glasses so like my eyes are kind of protected and i don't want to touch my eyes as well so putting the mask gives some sort of protection i would say some sort of protection and in we don't know like the virus is kind of like invisible so we can't actually see it so i would say that it's good to take these precautions because you're going to lower the spread but we can't actually monitor it in these numbers are not right because we can't actually monitor every single region how are the people carrying out responsibility in the first place so i would say that's why the numbers are kind of like broad i'm doubting the numbers it's wrong for me it's wrong okay so, so you're say- saying that the case numbers they actually should be a lower number than what they actually recorded. Yes, I also think that in a person's individual risk there has to be a, some sort of responsibility so you don't spread the disease on to somebody else. We are so careless when it comes to that. Like when you go to school you see your friend having the flu or cough or a cold and then the next day you sort of have it. Aren't we careless in that way for spreading the disease to someone? So I think that like the mask gives some sort of protection, you know, especially when you're even if you're sick. If it could be a flu, it could be a cough and a cold. 
I think it works to some extent. Okay. Is it practical to say if you're sick, if you're feeling symptoms, just stay at home? Yeah. Or is asymptomatic transmission still a concern that we need to be aware of? I think that since that asymptomatic thing is something you shouldn't be worried about because we can't actually see it, you know? So I would suggest like we kind of take that out of the context for a while and then consider the other options because we can't exactly measure like asymptomatic transition as well. So I would say that in this particular situation, the mask should be mandated and the social distancing should be mandated. So what they've done here is they've mandated vaccines and I really went and uh, to us, you have to have health passes to go and participate in the social circle, go to restaurants, to go to the biggest malls. I can go to small malls though, and transportation doesn't require, except if you are traveling for a long distance to the train, you need the health pass. And I just went to the pharmacies and kind of spoke with her and then spoke to two other doctors who are actually working in the hospital. And because they are the ones who like give the, suggest the patients whether they have to be vaccinated or not. So I went and spoke to all of those people and they were like, you can get a health pass if you, without being vaccinated, if you have a negative PCR test and they ask for a testation from a doctor that you have allergies or actually kind of like you're worried about the side effects of the drug and you can actually get a letter uh, attestation from a doctor and you can actually get a health pass with a negative PCR test and I was like arguing with them that what if like another person has a just a normal cold and they get tested positive in a PCR test or what if and this is going to some very sinister hypotheticals but what if someone isn't symptomatic at all but they get a PCR test and the PCR test goes through much higher cycles than what's prescribed and that person gets a false positive yeah that also can happen yeah so just to clarify the earlier comments that you were making when you're saying that masks should be mandated and social distancing should be mandated is that the case for absolutely everyone or just for people who are showing symptoms I would say it it would be safe for everybody to do it, actually, because you are taking responsibility for yourself and other people as well. Even if they're know? asymptomatic? Yeah. Okay. I, myself, I don't particularly agree with that. But at the same time, and I guess... It's fine. It's fine. There, there, is, there, is, there is a little bit of disconnect in my mind. Oh, okay. So you're for social distancing, which makes sense. You're for masking, which makes a little less sense to me because of the statistics and because it just feels extremely weird that we're just assuming that everyone is sick all the time instead of waiting no, for actual yeah. proof. No, it's, it's like we're assuming that like I would say if you know the friend and if you know if you know someone that you're bringing over to your house, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. But when you're going out into the public social circle you don't know which one like has symptoms which one kind of it has the potential of getting it and we, we don't know the cases because it depends on fate and stuff like this so wearing a mask I know it's uncomfortable to wear a mask as well but I think it kind of protects your like nose and mouth because your mouth when you're talking your mouth is the uh, first thing that gets exposed so I would say to the air and your nose as well, because you're breathing there. So it's kind of like, I don't know. It, and it, so that is your main concern, is yes. that you want to make sure that no particles are, at the very least, going directly from yeah. one person's yeah. mouth into another person's yeah. mouth or their nose or their eyes. Yeah. Okay. Especially if you don't know them, you know, you don't know what their situation is. So yeah. you have no idea about them. Yeah. But vaccine passports, those are what cross the line. And being forced to be vaccinated with an experimental treatment, that is what's crossing the line for you. Okay. So at what point were you starting to question the narrative as the pandemic was happening? Was it when the vaccines were being introduced? Was it? Yes. 
Yeah, okay. then the vaccines were being introduced. Uh, otherwise, I was just going with the thing that, okay, people are dying from COVID-19. So there is a pandemic of some sort, I would say. But the numbers, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was looking at the numbers, it's like, it's skyrocketing. And why is it skyrocketing like this? I was like so curious, but I, I, I wasn't against it. I wasn't like a conspiracy theorist because I was like looking for answers in the first place. It's not like some microchip is going to go inside your blood. I don't believe that, but it's possible in the future, I would say. In the future, not now. And I was thinking that, okay, people are dying in the hospitals. The hospitals are getting overcrowded. Why? Because maybe the tests aren't exactly proving correct results. I mean, we don't know what happens. There are people in the Western, especially in the Western society, for the slightest thing, they go to the hospital. I have really noticed that. For us, it's not always the same. Like we are from the Eastern culture. So for us, it's not always the same. We kind of like, we have our own holistic, like natural remedies to cope with like simple stuff like cough, colds and everything. And it's like, we are not always in the hospital for those kind of situations. Like we can take care of it ourselves. And that's the first thing that was into mind. And then one of my doctor friends told me that someone died of diabetes and the nurse recorded it as a COVID-19 patient, death from COVID-19 patient. So then I was questioning why they're actually exaggerating the numbers. And I know like a priest, a priest I have known ever since I was like a child in Sri Lanka, he died of a heart attack, but he was recorded as death of COVID-19. So you have like, this is an exaggerated disease, I would say. This was exaggerated in order for a business to emerge. So it's just kind of like the pharmaceutical industry gets some sort of recognition so people will buy their products. That's what I think that it's going on. Because as soon as the vaccine was released, I was like, okay, experimental drug that's out there that has a potential risk of side effects depends on how many doses you get. And I think that the majority survives the first dose. It's like after that, we have no idea what happens. From I have seen the, a document in the pharmacy that to get uh, health passes. And in that, they say normally in the second dose, you get inflammations in the heart itself, the outer covering. And they have basically everything listed there. And I was like, you're asking people to get vaccinated when you know all these side effects. And then she was like, this is not me, this is the government. And so ultimately, I guess it is coming from the top at the government. Do you think this is coming from a place of maliciousness, a place of misguided compassion? Is it coming from ignorance? Ignorance, yeah. Okay. And a lot of people are trying to make money during this point of time. So the pharmaceutical industry is actually looking for a reason to like stay up. So this is the perfect time. Okay. You mentioned before about how after the first shot, there might be side effects, but no one's probably going to die. After the second shot, people are more likely to die. There are these booster shots that are being approved of by governments here in Canada. The federal government just signed a contract with Pfizer to deliver booster shots up until the end of 2024. I think you guys, we all need to be careful. Because the thing is that these are the rules in the pharmaceutical industry. If you release an experimental drug into the world and uh, you cause a significant number of deaths, after that number exceeds, if it exceeds a particular number, like let's say 1,000, you are supposed to take it off the market. So why isn't it taken off the market? That's the question. So that those are the rules that like we learned. So I'm questioning what we learned. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. I guess, like, I don't know, like, people, there's still a demand for it, right? There's still they're a demand for these vaccines. Yeah. So they're kind of desperate for a, like, cure, and they kind of, like, confuse it with the vaccine, giving it a possibility for the cure. I think it's because there were government arrays, too much fear on their heads, and they think that at any moment they could contract the virus out of nowhere. And I think that sort of fear is there, but, like, the thing is this, it can work in so many ways. 
it's like people who are already vaccinated they think that oh my god i'm safe now but it's like this if a virus comes to your location during this point of time and how do you know when it comes and how do you know when it goes and then you just vaccinated yourself but you don't know you don't know whether when you vaccinated yourself the virus wasn't even there or it won't even be in your area in during the entire pandemic and you would think that the vaccination saved you so it kind of works like a psychological placebo effect as well yeah in like that yeah i actually get the impression from certain people that i know even after they've been vaccinated that they're still somehow not safe which is understandable given the scientific evidence that has come out showing that you can still get COVID even after you take these vaccines, but it still begs the question of, okay, you took this vaccine because you thought it would make you safe. And now you still don't feel safe, even though you've taken your medicine. And so it becomes like, for them, there's this desire of, oh, we need to make sure that everyone gets vaccinated so that we can still maintain this feeling of safety within ourselves. And I think that's sort of what's happening with you guys in France with these vaccine passports that are coming out. It appears this is what's happening in Canada. The federal government announced that they were introducing their own vaccine passport for international travel. They were mandating all federal workers to get vaccinated by the end of October. And I I think that situations like those where you're trying to get everyone in line with the program so that you can make everyone else feel safe it's yeah like yeah it's not working the thing is that people need to adapt to a new lifestyle i say lifestyle like this the safest is going on zoom making your business meetings and you can't travel anymore the thing is that people have to adapt to this sort of lifestyle within these couple of years until they come up with, they opt for a cure. I was like, cure like this, because it's going to be something emerged of holistic approaches, emerge of uh, pharmaceutical approaches to come up with a cure. Yeah. Are there any circumstances where you would get vaccinated? There would be circumstances if I was employed with elderly people and I was putting them at risk. So then I would get vaccinated because I don't want them at risk. Yeah, but right now you're trying to hold out for as long as possible. Yes, as long as possible. Yeah, I'm kind of isolated anyway, so I'm like, okay. If there was an imaginary equation, let's say, to take the vaccine or not. And it kind of like, I put those kind of variables into place and I kind of came up with the decision that I don't need to. And yeah, and I'm trying to put a business online, trying to attract clients and kind of like shift to the online world from the outside yeah all right and are you still able to go to a market get your food we can go to supermarkets we don't need to be vaccinated or show health pass that's good and people are protesting like over like 300,000 people on the road and this is like one of those protests where you have the most educated people out on the streets you have doctors you have lawyers and yeah, so you have like nurses, they're on strike, they are protesting and stuff like this. And so I would say like when we are learning this, when people are, will be learning about the pandemic in a couple of years time, they will be like, why was this protest so significant? <laughs> because it was showing us that the government was doing something wrong. What do you foresee as the best case scenario for yourself, for the country that you live in? Let's say five or 10 years from now? Learn to adapt to the situation. I think that is the best thing that everybody can do. It's like the person who adapts is going to be the fittest at the end of the day. And life is about that. It's about trying to survive in a world, adapting and kind of learning. If you learn how to live in these kind of situations, I think you would come out of it a greater person. Like it's not, you don't have to like obey everything the government tells you because even they have a lack of understanding. This also shows that leaders aren't perfect as well, you know. So let's say the vaccine passports, they become more encroaching on your freedoms. 
you can't travel outside of your country, you can't travel outside of your province, maybe you can't even travel outside of your town. I don't think that, I don't think that negatively. You don't think that negatively, you're just thinking, okay, like, I'm not going to think about what all the horrible things are going to be like in the future. I'm just going to be focusing on surviving right now. Yeah, like, yeah, make it through it because I always believe that something good will happen in the future. It's not going to be always something bad. And there will always be kind of loopholes where you can try to get out of things. You have to just look for it, I would say. So the thing is that if they like mandate vaccines and stuff like this, and, you know, I don't think that all the doctors will completely like, ignore this because they're already on strike they're on the streets and they would actually do something for the people there are some really good doctors out there and they would actually do something for the people and I think I have hope in that case all right normally this is the second segment of my podcast but just wanting to get to know you better get to know your perspectives your worldviews a little bit better before launching into this segment, which I guess it's going to close out the podcast because I can't really think of any other questions that I have at the moment. But I was talking earlier about how I was going to ask you about how God was working in your life. And so if I might ask that now, how has God been working in your life as of late? Yeah. So like, I think like, I always believed there was some sort of like superior being ever since I was a kid, because I don't know whether people will be skeptical about this but I would like to say some kind of strange things happen in my life that I can't really like explain it like give a logical reason to why that happened and stuff like that so I would say like every time like I found myself like let's say in a dark moment it's like I would get like tiny pebbles to walk out to the light yeah okay any specific instances that you'd be willing to share Yeah, like I could say recently, like I had some sort of, it was a weird kind of experience, I would say, but it also showed me to the path I should be on. And it's kind of like when you're in life and you kind of don't know what you're going to do with it and you kind of isolate yourself as a result and trying to figure out like what's best for you and what is your thing and what why were you born exactly to do in what ways you should serve the country you serve the world and in those particular times I would say I was alone and I had this kind of miraculous experience through a dream and in that dream it just showed me that it was like uh, amazing in the fact that it shows that I had an important part to play in my life but I just didn't know when And it kind of gave gave me the blueprint to start my whole big plan business about restructuring the education. It gave me a blueprint. And I would say this all happened in a dream, I would say. So it's kind of like, I would say there is a superior being. It's kind of like giving you clues for the next big thing. Yeah. Yeah. So... I mean, like people shouldn't lose faith. I mean, there's like I throughout my life, I've been having all these weird experiences, especially in my house back in Sri Lanka. You get some creepy stuff that happened. It's like we had security cams, right? All around the house. And in my living room, like I would see like weird lights. I don't know. It was really strange. In, in the middle of the night, it was like 12 a.m., And you would like all the lights off and everything, right? And in the living room, some strange lights appear and it kind of, it's not every day you see this and it's like fireworks inside the living room. And it's pretty insane, this experience I had. Like I would actually call up, you know, priests uh, because I'm Buddhist uh, and they were saying that this house is not full of ghosts. It's like good of good spirits. And they would say that because they're trying to, like, they're with you to have faith. Kind of, that's what the priest told us. Yeah. It's like, for you to have faith in your future, it's like you're going to come out of every problem. And many people don't have this kind of reassurance in their life. Like, they have, like, there's something out there. It's just that, and that's helping you. And many people don't see this stuff. And I was, like, getting really scared because... You see like uh, fireworks in the security camp, but when you go like straight up in the dark into the living room, there's nothing. You can't see anything. There's nothing so extraordinary or like 
it just looks normal like but when you go to the security camp it's like a different picture and i would say that in different like weird times i used to smell like lotus flowers not lotus flowers jasmine flowers so at 7 a.m. in the morning i smell jasmine flowers it's like a scent it's like i have a garden but i don't have jasmine in it i just all just grass and a big tree which is probably has no flowers or fruits so it's kind of strange why the entire house like is jasmine scented we haven't mm-hmm. even put any like scents or anything so it's like a strange scent that's kind of like aroma that's going all over the house at specific times and it's kind of like priest would say that it's a good thing it's like you've been watched you've been protected by good spirits who want the best for you in your life it's like and they would always tell this to us because i went and asked about this 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 happened to you to my friends and they would be like no <laughs> no way <laughs> in sri lanka yeah in my house in sri lanka and i'm, I'm like sure i i used to ask several people are you sure that we didn't build this house on top of a dead person because <laughs> because sometimes it feels like it's haunted yes but it, like it doesn't like it's not that scary it's just like you have like weird things happening in the house like not every day as well but like at specific times it, it smells like jasmine and it's good things it's not scary so yeah <laughs> that's an interesting perspective to take i think for myself the way that god has been working in my life as of late is that in producing this particular run of episodes for my podcast i told myself that i was going to go on a 12 week run i was going to bring on a different guest every single episode i was trying to attract guests who i had never had on the show before because even though i don't mind bringing on old guests to come back and catch up on how they're doing. I also kind of want to keep every episode new and different in some ways. Yes. But I was having trouble finding guests and so there was a particular moment where I was struggling to get all of my episodes edited on time and I was trying to contact people and people were expressing interest but they weren't necessarily saying, "Oh yes, I'll be ready to record on this day and time." And as I was going through this existential angst of just wondering okay am i actually going to be able to get guests on this podcast will i be able to reach all my goals and produce all these episodes in time i got an email from the service that we matched on podmatch yeah. saying hey in case you're looking for new guests why don't you join the service and we'll see if we can match you up with some new guests and i'm like okay yes i do need new guests So I I guess now is the time to do that. I'll sign up, I'll see what happens. I got four matches and three of those matches are coming on the show yourself included. One of those matches didn't work out because I was an idiot and I mistakenly thought that the guy who was reaching out to me was a con artist and so I spent a little bit too much of my time trying to interrogate him. but mm. everyone else everyone else has been working out and if all goes well i am going to be able to finish this particular run of episodes without having to worry about all of these other guests coming on and it's just like this was the miracle that i needed in order to make sure that something like this happened yeah i think i started when i started out the podcast i was looking for like doctors and everybody to come in and then nobody's coming in okay so it's like i have to do this podcast like the first i think seven episodes i did it by myself like first like 10 episodes i think i did it by myself and then there is this french human rights activists to kind of like i just randomly met on a facebook group and they were like she was like i will speak about palestine and because i wanted to talk about palestine i have the knowledge about palestine so why can't we actually include that and so she came and she spoke and then she kind of gave me podmatch she kind of like said you can get more guests through podmatch because she really liked what i was doing and then i was like but the thing is that how to get doctors to speak up that's my like biggest challenge but now through podmatch like 
four doctors have reached out to me so that's good yeah so it's like i don't know uh, about two of them because they were reluctant to actually speak about the bad side of everything that's happening during the pandemic and kind of give their views but i know that there is this one guy who kind of switched professions from working in the pharmacy so he kind of switched careers and now he's like a coach consulting coach so i was like okay this is the guy i'm looking for so there are some matches that yeah that actually work from pod match so yes You know, you think that more doctors would be willing to come onto your podcast yeah. if only to defend how good these vaccines are and, you know, provide a challenge for you. Because most of the people who are invited like are vaccinated. And they have nothing against the vaccine because they think that this is their only solution. I think that's what I psychologically kind of understood is that they think that this is the only solution. until like i convince a lot of people that before all of these mandating vaccines and before everything it's like before all of this happened i was like there's something wrong they're going to force it on us and i just i'm not a conspiracy theorist i don't believe in the chip but i think that they're going to force this on us and it's just because they want you to buy their product and they don't care about the side effects that come out from this product itself and i said this way before and when it's happening it's like they have to answer their these questions on their podcast and they like so one guy was following me on youtube he unfollowed me just because that happened now he was like for the vaccines he was completely for the vaccines and still he is but explaining that side of the story on his podcast was kind of like challenging for him yeah Before we go, what is the name of the podcast that you host and the life coaching service that you offer? Okay, so the name of my podcast is called Teo Podcast: Colon the Pandemic Press. And I kind of decided that name because it's kind of it's a change to the universe, like a change to the universe. And that's why I came up with the name Teo, but like I might change it in the future. I may put it as my company name as well. but i might change it in the future so the website is www.teoac.net like teoac so it's all simple so i provide life coaching packages to young adults who are facing like stress extremes like stress levels especially people who come from having careers in which they have to juggle too much in their life and they're they were looking for some way or solution to their life or maybe also to for the people who are kind of having very difficult careers like medicine itself because i feel like you need to be coaching doctors as well lawyers they feel most pressured in their careers and also when you are trying to raise a family for the first time i think my target is kind of those people because i feel like i also want to help people who are mainly trying to figure out like what their purpose is and why they have been brought here i kind of like those people as well people who are like you yeah i also just released a book which i completely forgot about <laughs> you released a book what's it called <laughs> okay it's called unveiling the truth behind catherine's destiny it's a story where you can learn a lot of moral lessons as well as you can or there's also some holistic health approaches what you can use for your, like people who are just young adults moving to a apartment trying to live alone don't know where to start so i kind of given like some education like learning a lot about holistic science the possibility of having bigger goals like i also i actually this is kind of like high school knowledge it's like from physics and stuff like this what we need in this world what you can do in this world and the story is a kind of like it's basically a little girl who has been brought up from a very strict culture that tries to find her way in life so that's the kind of the story but i hope a lot of people can learn from it as well yeah okay once again thank you for coming on the show thank you for agreeing to this meeting it's been really nice chatting with a random stranger from france yes yes yeah and yeah i found this enjoying i found it mentally stimulating as well 
I think you gotta do you have gotta do challenging stuff. Even it was really weird the first time I actually had a guest on my show because it was like someone I didn't know, and most of my guests are from the US. So I'm like, okay, I gotta kidnap me now. <laughs> no, but like because of the movies I've seen and stuff like this, so I'm really scared um, of most of the people. But yeah, they were nice. Yeah, and you you could learn a lot from them. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. See you guys. This has been Because We're Not the Same, a podcast hosted, produced, and edited by Nathan Raymond Ray, with special guest Rashni Hewawasham. Thank you to Podmatch for allowing us the opportunity to meet and record this conversation. To listen to more episodes, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Verbal, iHeartRadio, or Podbean. You can also visit our Facebook page or our website bwntscast.wordpress.com. If you're interested in coming on the show as a guest, feel free to reach out to us and we'll see about having you on. Thank you for listening.